Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows VR training platforms like ForgeFX help students master their skills. There's a big learning curve with welding. Virtual reality simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, shoot that, shoot that! And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like a full line of Redestein tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. All from TireRack.com. TireRack.com. It's the way the tire buying should be. Traveling for college hoops this year? Pro tip, stay at graduate hotels. They're obsessed with college basketball just like us. Each graduate hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni, nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30 plus hotels in the best college towns and get this, you can save up to 30% off with code Doug. That's my name, Doug. Good at any graduate hotel location, anytime up to 30% off. So, here's what you do. Book your stays at graduatehotels.com. That's graduatehotels.com. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. What a show we have for you today. Jim Mora. Uh, That's son of Jim, but not junior. Jim Mora, former head coach, Falcons, Seahawks, UCLA, going to join us. A lot of people talking about what Jim Mora is talking about, and... uh, Uh, We will uh, reinvigorate that conversation we had with you yesterday about trigger words, millennials being a trigger word. Remember, he said Josh Rosen's a millennial. And if you say millennial to a millennial, they're like, cool, like him, like him, right? You say millennial to a non-millennial, like, oh boy, oh boy. Um, He has, uh, he's been on the NFL Network. He's on Dan Patrick earlier today, like, Credit Jim Mora. He hasn't said something and then gone and hidden. Jim Mora has talked about his uh, former quarterback kind of ad nauseum. 
And we will get to, um, he will join us upcoming next hour in the show. Jim Jackson's going to join us. Of course, uh, Fox Sports and Fox Sports 1, Fox Sports Radio, college basketball analyst, former Ohio State stup- superstar. We'll ask him, we'll get ready for the NBA playoffs, but also look back, college basketball. And Steve Lapp is former head coach at Villanova. And I look, Lapp could never say this, and he probably would never say it publicly, maybe not even privately. But I played against that 95-96 team that was upset, I think it's a two-seed. I mean, like, look, if you want to talk about what's changed in college basketball, Alvin Williams, pro for a decade, at a at a wing. And, of course, he had, um, uh, he had Chuck Cornegay, he had Lawson, he had Eric Ebers, and then, uh, God, what was his star? Why am I forgetting this? <laughs> Hell, his star player's name. Um, well, just Kerry Kittles was his star player. And then, you know, he had, he had NBA players coming off the bench. So, the level of talent in college basketball in, in in comparison to years past may be a bit down, although I do think that Villanova has several NBA players. Mikhail Bridges, probably a first-round pick. Jalen Brunson, late first, maybe a second-round pick, but he'll play in the, he'll play in the NBA without out, out any doubt. And then maybe Dante DiVincenzo. How good was Dante DiVincenzo? How good a name is Dante DiVincenzo? That's an amazing name. Amazing name. More than anything, coming off the bench and showing that he's got bunnies. Now, music, you do know what bunnies is. Now, you played volleyball, so everybody in volleyball has bunnies. Or is there a different expression for guys who jump a little bit higher than everybody else? Hops. Yeah, we say hops, but hops is kind of... Then it's it's when it's quick hops, it's you got bunnies. Right? When it's explosive hops, you got bunnies. Or you Springs. got hops. Yeah, not really. Not hops really used. Hops and springs is what we used. To hops use. and springs is used. Now, were you an outside hitter? Or did you have hops and springs? Were you a setter? Would you play in the back line? What would you do? Uh, so I played essentially everywhere because I didn't play volleyball until high school. So I started out as a middle blocker. Then once I kind of figured out what the heck I was doing, then I moved to outside. But then in college, I was a libero. You're what? Which is back row libero. What is- what, what say it again? Libero. Libero. Yeah. What does that mean? What is that? Is that an acronym? Uh, it's or like something? from no. It's like from an Italian word, which is like for free, because it's the guy who wears the different colored jersey, and you're like a free sub in and out of the back row. Okay, I like that. I had I had no idea that position actually existed. I've I've, I've learned something, and uh, unlike millennials who say they want to know why, but already think they know the answer to things, I'm actually really into learning about things. I learned something. All right, so you can learn something about this. Uh, he's got bunnies. He's got hops. He's got springs. He's got boyoings. Whatever it is, Dante Vin- DiVincenzo came in, and the difference, and one of the reasons that uh, Jalen Brunson is a hard evaluation for the NBA is what you saw last night. Couldn't get a step on Michigan's defense. Usually, the pro has a different level of athleticism or a different level of length and athleticism. And DiVincenzo has that and then you saw some of his inability in terms of he's not a very good passer. Gets a little bit loose with the basketball. Here's my big takeaway from last night. The best team won. And while you can say, you know, duh, Gottlieb. Do people do? My kids actually have brought back the no duh or no dur. But it is a no duh. But the point is that here's a, a tournament that gives us random we have a ton of randomness. We just do. I mean, there's if, De, if DeAndre Hunter doesn't get hurt for Virginia, 
and maybe they get a different draw. And I talked with Tony Bennett uh, about two weeks ago, and he was like, look, we, small ball teams always gave us fits, and then we lost our best hybrid big guy. And now we knew, and then they got hot, and we were cooked. They get a different draw, or their best hybrid big guy doesn't get hurt. It might be a whole different tournament. Isaac Haas gets hurt from Purdue. I don't think they could have beaten Villanova, but maybe they could have tested Villanova because they can actually outshoot Villanova, albeit they had the problem with who Isaac Haas would guard. Um, like you, you go around the country and or go around the tournament, and there were some, there was some games to which had one thing been different, one foul been called or not been called. How Houston makes a free throw. From Devin Davis, their second best player. And Houston's playing in the Sweet 16. Michigan is not. And we go back years and you could you could easily point out. I mean, I, we always remember at Oklahoma State, uh, my senior year in 2000, we played Florida in the Elite Eight. Florida went to the national championship game, lost to Michigan State. Florida, in their first round game, played Butler. And Butler tried to take a charge, didn't get it, didn't get the call. Mike Miller ends up scoring, I think, an and one, and they beat uh, Butler in the first round in 2000. Has that not happened? Your boy right here, Poppy, plays Duke, and we beat a young Duke team with Mike Dunleavy Jr., with Jay Williams, with you know so many of their other guys that would lose to Florida and eventually go on to the next year winning a national championship. We play that young team. We probably beat them because we were older. We go to a Final Four. History changes dramatically. But just like in 2000 with a whole bunch of randomness that led to uh, North Carolina, who wasn't really better than Tulsa, but beat Tulsa to go to the Final Four. Florida was probably more talented, but I don't know if they're better than us going to a Final Four. We just didn't play well. We got beat by a team that was deeper and it was tied at 57 and they boat raced us. We get so many random results in the NCAA tournament. But you know what? Got the best team. Right? Like Villanova, they weren't healthy for a couple weeks, and that's why they lost a couple games in the Big East. But the truth is, they were still the best team in the Big East when healthy, even though they didn't win the Big East championship. Case in point, they dominated Xavier, who technically won the Big East both times they played him. And then won the Big East tournament. Like, I don't think anybody would argue with you if you said before the tournament began, Nova's the best team from the Big East by far. And you're like, well, why didn't they win the league? That's why. That's why. And no one would have argued with you they were one of the five best teams in the country. And they had hybrid big guys. They had a style that fits. They don't foul that much. Although last night Jalen Brunson got into foul trouble and it didn't seem to even matter. The point is, the takeaway is in a tournament that gives us so much randomness in terms of results that if you played out these games 10 times over, you might have a different result. I tend to believe you played out, played it out with Villanova, they'd win the national championship nine times in 10. They were that much better, that much more complete, that perfectly built for 2018 college basketball. They had the best player the best fit around him, the best set of big guys that were interchangeable, guards that were interchangeable, bench that had been developed because of that time in which they had injuries. You know what? 
the best team doesn't always win in sports, but most times they do. And last night, perfect example of it. Here's John Beeline, head coach of Michigan, after the game. You could see why Villanova was the number one seed, why they were uh, always in the top five all year long. They were dominating everyone. After those first uh, 15 minutes, they, they really were a better team than us. We yeah. needed to play better, but even if we had played our best, it would have been very difficult to win that game with what uh, DiVincenzo did. Sometimes those individual performances just beat you, and you take off your hat and say, good game, we, we played you the best we could, and tonight you were better than us. Yeah, I think, I think they, were, they would have been better than them nine times in ten, maybe even ten times in ten. That was a hard, hard matchup. And, you know, Mo Wagner was great the first five or seven minutes, but it ended up tiring Mo Wagner out, to which he didn't have much left in the tank. One big guy is really hard when they're throwing numbers at you. You know, and then when you're better, that much better at the point guard position, Jalen Brunson's that much better than Xavier Simpson. And there was a point at the half to which, even though Jalen Brunson wasn't making shots or a lot of toilet bowlers, you know, round, round, round and out, they'd still dominate the game. And Simpson was a guy they had to have in there to guard Brunson, but they couldn't have in there on offense. And some of this is also, this is what happens when you have a big upset, when you have what a, a team win that probably shouldn't have. Michigan shouldn't have beaten Houston. Houston was better than them. They were. Michigan had a five-point play, a really controversial call, and then they won on a miracle three-point shot. That's true. You know, they needed a five-point play. They needed three missed free throws from Houston's second-best player, and a 25, 28-foot contested three-pointer just to beat Houston. If that doesn't happen, that doesn't go, Houston advances, who's probably, honestly, a better team. And when you get one of those upsets, when you get a Michigan, a really well-coached Michigan team that kind of marches through, and they only have to play a Loyola to get to the national championship game, it gives you this, it gives you a complete mismatch in the championship. That's what happens. So, um, I, I have... I always find it amazing, you know, where people just can't understand what our job is as an analyst and we point things out. Look, I I think Nova has benefited greatly from being in the new Big East, which didn't have Syracuse and Louisville and Notre Dame and uh, even Pitt back when Pitt was good the first couple of years when they went to the ACC. I think they benefited greatly from that. And because of it, they were able to stabilize themselves, win the Big East, get a good seed and... You know, after a couple of failures in the NCAA tournament, succeed, win a title, and keep building. I, I think it, it, all the things that I've talked about in Villanova are, in fact, true. And the best part is the way they play is the way anyone who's a fan of basketball wants your team to play. Play together. They play multiple defenses. They play fast. They shoot threes. They have, a, for the most part, they turn down a good shot for a great shot. And the players get better and better and better. I have no problem saying that if, if that's the picture of what college basketball is supposed to be about, cool. We're in a good place. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. One of my favorite guys to work with in college basketball is a former coach, Manhattan, Nova, UMass. And, of course, uh, you heard him on coverage of the NCAA tournament, both radio and TV He's uh, Steve Lapis, who uh, joins us, I'm sure, on the way to begin a summer of golf. Uh, 
Lap, how did we get to, to where Villanova is now a juggernaut? You know, Doug, it's a great question. And, and I'm going to tell you this. I mean, I spent, obviously, a good part of my career there, both as an assistant and as a head coach. And I, I, I knew I had a great job. I knew it was a really good basketball job. But I didn't know it would be this, or it could be this. And that's, it, it's a credit to Jay Wright that that program is the way it is right now. Because to think that it could be a blue blood, and it really is. I mean, you think about, forget about this year. It looks like next year will be another great year. So they, they built a culture. They have a team. And, you know, six years ago, this team was 13 and 19. Yeah. And what, he, what Jay has done in the last six years is nothing short of amazing. Yeah, uh, the 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 thirteen nine that was it's fascinating because that was coming off of his best recruiting class ever, right after ever. the after their first Final Four, and you know he, he said you know he's always said like well, we didn't take our kind of guys. Now look, some of it is a little bit of luck, right? Divincenzo, Divincenzo breaks his foot. He didn't break his foot. He's sitting on the bench behind that national championship team. He might have gotten frustrated and left. That's a possibility. That that happens. Amari Spellman sits all of last year because uh, because of academics. Not that he would have left, but I don't know if he would have developed his body as quickly, been able to lose as much weight. It's hard to lose weight when you're in season, right? You kind of go through the Phil Booth is a red shirt. You know, he's he's had some injuries. Even and I actually think the Jalen Brunson thing, and by most people's account, he was going to Temple because his dad was going to get a job before he had an, he had his own issue that kept him from getting that job. Like some of it is kind of magical. I guess you'd say luck or perfect timing that all of this came together. Well, well, there's no doubt. And, you know, you think about this. I, I don't know about the Brunson situation, but, I, I mean, the kid Quinterly was going to Arizona right. until, and he's going to Villanova now. He was going to Arizona until the Sean Miller thing happened. Uh, so, I mean, and Scotty Reynolds was going with Kelvin Sampson to Oklahoma when uh, he left, and then he decided to go to Villanova. So there's always, a, hey, I had some luck. Terry Kittles ended up being a better player than anybody thought he'd be. So there, there's always a little bit of that in there. There's no question. To get what they have going now, there had to be a lot of things fall into place. And, and I know how this business is. Some people are a little luckier than others. That's just the way life is in general. And he's had some very good fortune, but he is a tremendous basketball coach. And one thing that I will tell you this, Doug, is that over the last four years, that program has been the most consistent in terms of what you can expect from them. When you watch them play, you almost know for sure what you're going to get on offense and defense every single night. Yep, yep. No, I I think um, I think it's fascinating. And and what the other part that's interesting is if you go back even after you know the '09 class, like they they weren't that good defensively for a, for a good amount of time there, right? They were more of an offensive yep. team. Uh, they were fun to watch because they played a bunch of guards and they played really free. This team, we freaked out about the three-point shots, how many they've made, and we freaked out about Dante DiVincenzo, but the core of what's made this a championship team two of the last three years is their defense, not just their defensive style. They can play a couple different defenses, but they're super, super physical. How did that like? How did that come about? Because it's not like he's always been a defensive coach. How do you go from being a guy who's an offensive-minded coach to one that's team plays the most physical defense in the country? You know what? It has to do with, you know, things evolve over time. You, you, you kind of step into things sometimes, and you say, wow, this is pretty good. Let's do this. You get the right kind of guy. You try something different. It works pretty good, and then you just build on it. I'll give you another example from the offensive standpoint. I mean, Jay got credited with being the first guy really to play four guards, but you know how that came about? I, I was with Jay a month ago, and he told me. 
they were playing, and Curtis something got hurt, and the only guy on the bench was Kyle Lowry. Yep. So they put Kyle Lowry in in 2005, and guess what? Where he used to bend his four guards, and everybody was, was praising Jay about four guards, four guards. And guess what? That's how he's evolved into this team that's really got five guys out. Yeah. Certainly he's had four guys out for years. He had Ochefu two years ago was the one inside guy, but he's always had four guys out. But it came by mistake. He told me. He said, you know, Lap, I discovered this because we had to play Kyle Lowry. We had to take Curtis up throughout. Boom. It was pretty good. Necessi- That's how things happen. Necessity is the root of, of all invention. Steve Lapis joining us, CBS Sports College basketball analyst. Um, well, they've, they've been able to keep it going here the last couple years, but the thought is Jalen Brunson probably leaves, right? He's won two national titles. He's graduated. He's going to get drafted. Uh, let me first start with him. You know, you coached uh, Rod Strickland in high school. Um, you've obviously coached NBA players in college. He's a hard one for me, and I'll tell you why. Um, look, a lot of the things he does, I think if he's a little bit bigger and it's 20 years ago, he's a top 15 pick, right? Because he's a leader, he's a winner, he makes shots, he can post some. But that's not valued as much now. you got to be able to get a step. And last night against Xavier Simpson, who's not a great player, he struggled to, he struggled to get in the lane. Um, what, what, what is he in the NBA in your opinion? I totally agree with you that he's a tough one. And the thing about him, though, that you have to think, this kid's mind just may be that strong to overcome some of the liabilities that he had. One thing you know he's not going to do, posting in college has been a big part of his game. I'm guessing he's not going to get a whole lot of that in the NBA because he's, he's not that big either. He's about 6'2". But I just think this kid is going to be a 12-year NBA player. Now, I don't think he's going to be an all-star. I'm not saying he's going to be a star. But how could you not, at the worst, want this guy to come in and run your team, you know what I mean, off the bench at the worst. So I think he's just too smart, too competitive, too tough, and just just understands everything about the game. I think he's a pro. I couldn't tell you. I'd be guessing, Doug, at how good a pro, but I think he's going to play in the NBA for 12 years. Yeah, I, I, I tend to completely agree with that. I just don't know if you think he can be a starter or a backup. You know, if you can – Leave him on an island, like you know he can't. Who's he? He's gonna guard Russell Westbrook? Like no, he has no. He had no chance. Uh, not that anybody has a chance, but he really has no chance. On the other hand, at least he'll try. Whereas a Trey Young, you feel like doesn't even try, right? So right. Uh, but Trey Young has some other skills that that he does not have. Uh, what about the challenges to keeping it going at this level? I think Brunson is. Brunson was an incredible glue. You mentioned Quiverly, who's coming in. Who's an elite point guard was set to go to Arizona. Instead's going to go to going to go to Nova. Um, how hard is it to continue this kind of culture when you're bringing in more highly touted recruits? Well, I think it's hard. But what you have going for you is the guys come back. Those are the guys. You know, you got to see how these guys could, last night fed off of Hart and Jenkins being there, and how those guys fed off the guys ahead of them. It's just amazing. That's what we. They fed off Archie Diakono and Ochefu. And they just pass it down. And now these next guys coming in are going to feed off Pascal and, and DiVincenzo and Spellman. So it just that's how you build a culture. You have to have older guys that are good guys. They take pride in the system. Which, listen, you got to take pride in the system. They won two titles in the last three years. Yeah. So that's pretty easy to do. And they teach the younger guys. I'll tell you what, Doug, I have never seen a team of kids say the right thing every single time we play for each other. We have the culture. It's it's amazing what these kids say. I'm amazed. It's a great representation of where our sports should be, right? Like, I think that's the, 
I think, no doubt. Right, like I was in San Antonio, and there's so many coaches bothered by some of the problems with the narrative with, with these stories. And, and we're not saying that college basketball doesn't have problems, but if this is our, if, if this is what, there's a team that can win two times in three years and win this way and act this way. Like if, if that, why, why is that a, it's not, we're not in that bad of shape. You know what I mean? Right. Uh, right. And these kids, and these kids say, you know, like, they'll say after the game, they say, oh, you know, we're, we're not really playing to we play to get better every day. Every guy says it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's a credit. And you're right. Those are two programs you'd be proud of to be in a national championship last night, especially with all the stuff that's going on, going on, whatever. Those two teams in the national championship game was good for the game. All right, uh, last thing, most importantly, Tiger going to win this weekend? Man, I'll tell you what, I hope he's in it. That's all. You know what? I don't think so. I don't think he's right, quite ready to do that. But, boy, I hope he's in it. I think he'll be in it on Sunday. Uh, last thing, um, you can stay too long in a place. Jay Wright's got this thing dialed in. Do you, there was there was long talk, man. He could be the Sixers, the Sixers, the Sixers. And remember, now they're getting kind of closer, and there's some talk. Maybe Brett Brown isn't the guy to get him over the top. Do you ever see a day in which Jay leaves Nova and goes to the NBA? I do not see it, not at all. And people have asked me all weekend. I think he's going to be there till the bitter, till the end, whenever that is. All right, man. Enjoy the golf course. I know there's a tee time somewhere calling you. You had a great season. I can't wait to talk with you in person very soon. Thanks, Doug, man. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app. Boxing is now where football at some point could be. Right? Like football is trying to protect itself from becoming boxing. It really is. Boxing wildly popular, but... You show me the older boxer who's aged well, who still has his faculties, right? Muhammad Ali was as was as uh, loquacious and articulate with the English language as any man we've ever seen in any sport, right? Like he was a magician with words. Go back and watch. Go back and watch him early in his life. Early in his career, you're like, man, that is funny. He's clever. And it all just kind of rolls off the tongue. Now, he was obviously devastated by Parkinson's, but most people consider that his brain issues were, uh, uh, were, were onset by continuing head trauma, right? It's not a hard, it's not a hard uh, assumption to make that Muhammad Ali would have aged a lot better had he not. It wasn't even just early in his Life. You look at later fights after he came back from the suspension because he wouldn't serve in Vietnam and he took a beating. It was bad. The Larry Holmes fight was bad. It was just, you didn't want to see a guy who was so elusive not be elusive. Muhammad Ali couldn't, couldn't speak at the end of his life. And we kind of know, hey man, you get into a boxing ring, like you're going to have brain damage. Why? Because you're going to get punched in the head. So you got that going against you, which isn't great. Then you have mixed martial arts, which has taken a great deal of the energy away from your sports and what mixed martial arts has done. And there's not just one, it's not just UFC. There's also Bellator, but UFC sold for $4 billion. The genius was they basically had a commissioner, something that boxing has never had. Dana White was the president, ran the company, face of face of the company, and they've had issues with steroids, with domestic abuse, uh, 
you know, they haven't been able to build up champions that have lasted. They haven't been able to get people gaudy records like you have with Canelo and with, with Triple G because in that sport, you can get beat even if you're the superior fighter. Get in a bad hold, tap out. Right? These things happen. Walk into a kick as, uh, as Daniel Cormier did in the John Jones deal, right? Like, don't walk into a kick. Ah, DC was, I thought, the better man that night even though uh, John Bones Jones was on steroids or performance-dancing drugs. I'm not saying UFC or mixed martial arts is perfect, but if you're going to watch fighting sports, do you watch boxing, watch UFC? I'd say they kind of split the vote a little bit. And it's on more readily. It's become more part of mainstream culture. And then, of course, this was a, a made-for-TV event, which is only, we only want to see this fight again because somehow it was a draw, even though no one who actually watched the fight thought it was a draw. Because they have this idiotic way of scoring the damn thing where you have three judges. You don't see their scorecards till the fight is actually over. And you're like, what? Well, maybe more than anything, Floyd Mayweather ruined this deal. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. His dad was a great coach in the National Football League. He was a coach in the National Football League. He obviously most recently uh, coached at UCLA and coached Josh Rosen, who everyone is discussing all the quarterbacks atop the draft. And, you know, so you have a guy who's been in the league, knows what it takes to make in the National Football League, but also has hands-on experience in both preparing for some of the other quarterbacks in the draft and coaching one of the elite quarterbacks in the draft. And he's been in the media before and in the media currently. You can see him on the NFL Network and you can hear him now on uh, Fox Sports Radio. Jim Mora joins us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Coach, how are you? How are you? I'm great, Doug. How are you? Good. I want to get to some of the Rosen stuff, the quarterback stuff, but I, I do okay. want to ask you about this helmet technology because, yeah. look, I got a little kid who's nine years old. He wants to play football, and I played football growing up until high until high school, and I focused on basketball, but I got to tell you, it's it's hard to get Mama and me along and go like, yeah, I'm going to send him out there. What's, yeah, what's, the new, what's the new helmet technology you're involved with? Well, I think that, you know, the sport of football is great, and it's a great learning experience in so many ways. And even if you don't play, you know, through high school or college, if you just get in that team environment, we have to learn to overcome some adversity and work together and push through some tough times. It's great, but it's become a real concern uh, because of, you know, safety and specifically, you know, the, the safety of your of your brain. And there's been so much out there about it. And there's a helmet company named Vices, which uh, a lot of NFL players are now starting to wear the Vices helmet, and it incorporates a new technology, which you know, nothing's going to stop concussions or subconcussive hits, but the technology so far looks like it is proving that it will reduce the amount of impact and trauma to the brain. So you're seeing guys like Russell Wilson and Doug Baldwin wear it. You're seeing Notre Dame and Stanford and and interestingly enough, Josh Rosen, who we'll be talking about later, he wore it at points in time this year. And, uh, you know, I've been involved with them basically from the start. I'm on their advisory board as initial investor. So, you know, some people might say that I'm unbiased here, but I, really what I'm biased towards is the game of football. I want it to thrive. And I want you and your wife to say, hey, you know what? We want our nine-year-old to experience football in a safe environment. And uh, I think this helmet uh, made by Vices, it's V-I-C-I-S, uh, out of Seattle, is going to is going to move a long ways towards helping people like yourself and your wife that maybe are apprehensive towards saying you know what maybe we'll give it a shot but oh. we're still going to watch our young man very 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 closely 
for uh, for any signs that maybe we need to pull him. All right. So what what is it? What does it do that other helmets don't do? Well, it's uh, it's got a little bit of a softer shell, and then that technology in the helmet is kind of a spiral technology. And I'd encourage people to go to vices.com or go to their Twitter page or their Instagram page and kind of learn about it. And I think that what you're seeing is a lot of NFL players are saying, hey, this is something that maybe, maybe will help me. You're seeing colleges. You know, I think when a Stanford and a, and a Notre Dame invest heavily in something like this, it's an indicator that there's probably some legitimacy to it because those are two – Obviously, tremendous academic institutions that also are great football programs. So, it's great. But let's talk about Rosen, baby, because I know that's what you want to talk okay, about. Okay, I, 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 I do, I do. I mean, listen, but yeah. I look. It wasn't just a but plug. Like I'm seriously interested and in, frankly concerned about the future of the sport. So it is. Sure. It, it, it is important. Jim Mora joining us on the Doug Gottlieb show. When you said the word, he's when you said millennial. You yeah. do you do realize that when people when when you when millennials hear millennial they're like oh yeah he's a millennial he's like one of us yeah. when older people hear millennial they're like oh so he's taking selfies all the time he's about himself yeah. and yeah. so did did you intentionally use the word millennial be, because yeah. he's like other millennials no here's why I use the word millennial Doug and I'm really glad you invited me on your show to kind of talk about this um, I have four children three one just graduated from college two are in college and one is in high school. I also was fortunate to coach 120 young men for the last six years, you know, groups of 120. So I've been around that age group an awful lot. And in no way did I, as an, uh, an older guy, intend the term millennial to be anything to the negative. What I have found, and I've coached a long time, is that kids nowadays are a little bit more uh, likely to question why you're asking them to do something. And I don't mean that they're questioning you in a condescending or challenging way other than, hey, we, we just want to know why. And that's what I meant about Josh, is Josh is incredibly intelligent. And, and when you can explain to Josh why we're doing something and he can grasp it, then he embraces it. He becomes more engaged. He Essentially, he owns it. And so uh, I ne- never would ever think that millennial would be a negative. Really, it's just an adjustment in how we are teaching kids and how really how kids are learning. I think we have to learn to adjust with the times. But, you know? but, and, but, but it would be fair to say that when you're installing an offense, you mm-hmm. install an offense and you explain why when you're installing an offense anyway. Right. Why, would it, why but, would it be any different with Josh? Because there are certain players that want to dig deeper. There are certain players, especially your quarterback, that needs to know a little bit more. Uh, it was interesting. Yesterday on NFL Network, I was with uh, Marvin Harrison, who played for Peyton, played with Peyton. And he said, Jim, you got it. He says, that's how Peyton was. He goes, there was never, he could never get enough information. He always wanted to know why. And he said that, you know, the meeting would be about to end and Peyton would have one more question and then he'd have another question. And then, you know, Greg Knapp, who coached Peyton, um, when they won the Super Bowl in Denver, told me the same thing. He said, this guy just has an, just an unquenchable thirst for knowledge. He wants to know the details so that when he goes out and performs, he's got all the information. And so uh, there are some players and at some positions where you can just take it at face value. You can go out and execute your job. But if you want to be a great quarterback, you have to have uh, a really deep knowledge of, of what you're doing and why you're doing it. And Josh has that mindset, which is one of the reasons that I think he's going to be so successful. Yeah, Jim Mora joining us in the Doug Gottlieb Show. See him on the NFL Network, of course, former head coach of of the Seahawks, of uh, the Falcons, of UCLA, and he joins us uh, on Fox Sports Radio. Um, okay, you, you also said that he has a lot of interests. 
And again, mm-hmm. like, like, look, I have a lot of different interests, but you know how sure. you know how people NFL people are, football yeah. people are, and listen, basketball people are the same. They want bas- they want ballers that are they live and breathe ball, and football yeah. guys are they want live and breathe ball. Um, I agree, but but I was looking for those guys, Doug. You know, we all are, and I, I think um, in saying that he has a lot of interests, um, once again. I can understand where it could be construed as a question of his commitment, but it's, it's really, it's not, um, he's a diverse young man and, uh, and, and that's okay. What I have seen though, is a young man that is completely devoted to football that, uh, has a burning desire to be great is willing to do the work, but, um, he has other things that interest in him as interest him in his life. And I think that that will stimulate him. You know, I think that when the season is going, He'll be guns ablaze in football, and I think that he, like these other young men in the draft, will understand the commitment it takes to be great is probably a lot more than it was at the college level where they could really depend on their abilities or even the high school level where just they were better than everybody. And I think Josh will put that work in. I really do. Uh, But it's okay to be interested in other things. I think that just goes to his intellect. You know, I think that he's a young man who will understand how to integrate himself into the city how to become part of their culture, uh, how to uh, react philanthropically. Um, you know, I really, I, 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 it's unfortunate that anyone took what I said as a negative because I think I've been very clear and very consistent and, and in my opinion, uh, very complimentary of Josh. As a matter of fact, I've gone back and looked at all my comments forever and i said i really i've never said anything negative no about no, him. but it but, all but started you, you, as you but, know doug it all started when i said that uh if i were the cleveland browns i'd because of fit take sam darnold but there was a reason for that okay is that is that because you don't want him to go to cleveland because you no, think Cle- no, cleveland no, the no, city heck, or cleveland no, the... <laughs> no not even I, a little I bit want... you also no, listen no sam I'm not darnold, I, like that but no, also not, but i i understand no. you, i know you're saying you're not biased but like sam darnold played for usc he's from southern yeah. california that's like that, that's like you know you're your, your your wife comes in and somebody says like, <laughs> well, your wife says, how do, how do I look in these pants? Do I look fat in these pants? You're like, actually, you kind of do look heavy. No, and then you no, say I that the neighbor, that. you know, the neighbor would look better in that pants. That's kind of what no. you did. Well, I mean, if that's your interpretation, I can understand. And, and you you are entitled to that interpretation. Let me tell you what the intent was. Okay. Um, the intent was this. I look at, at Hugh Jackson. And I look at the success he had with a guy like Andy Dalton, who maybe is comparable a little bit, um, in my opinion, in certain ways to Sam Darnold. Uh, both, I look both, at, red uh, hair. both have red hair. That, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a comp. Yeah. And I, trust me, I love Sam Darnold. I was with him a couple weeks ago. I have great respect for him. I mean, he is something special. He and Josh are both something special. So uh, I love them both. But I just felt like, you know, as I looked at it, and, and look, I'm, I'm an amateur when it comes to, I'm not in the Cleveland draft room or the Jets draft room or the Giants draft room, and I'm not exactly sure what they're looking for. But when I was asked the question, I thought about it, and I thought, you know what, I think Sam maybe is a little bit better fit for Cleveland. You know, he, uh, he had to kind of fight, I think, at certain points, and I don't know that he'd ever admit this, the, you know, the perception that Josh was the better quarterback. Sure. Uh, so he might have a little bone to pick with that. I, like once again, I've never heard him say that. I don't know that he believes that. It's pure speculation on my part. Um, you know, uh, he is—he's uh, uh, got a, a real uh, toughness and fierceness about him. And to say that doesn't mean Josh doesn't, because I believe Josh does as well. 
it was just a gut thing that, that, Hey, I think that he's a great fit for Cleveland. And I actually sent Josh a text before I made the comment. I said, Hey, I'm about to go on the air and I'm going to say that Sam Darnold's a better fit for Cleveland. And he said, okay, you know, thanks coach. And not like, Hey, thanks. I'm trying to stay away from Cleveland because I don't believe that at all, but just, you know, Hey, thanks for keeping me up on things. And I've tried to do that with Josh because you know, I care about him desperately. I've known him a long time. I love him and his family, and I don't want to do anything to uh, fracture our relationship. And uh, and I think I probably um, offended him a little bit when he saw the um, he saw the reaction to it. Right. You know, and I know this in texting back and forth this weekend. He said, "Boy, I've sure gotten a lot of requests from the media and calls from coaches saying, why doesn't your your head coach like you?' So that's why I think it's been really important for me these last couple of days to have a chance to explain that not only do I like him, but I love him. Not only do you think he's the best quarterback in the draft, but I believe he's the most impactful player immediately. And and you know we could argue that for days and days and days because there's other players that are fantastic too. But if you want a quarterback that can come in day one, yep. absorb your system, go on the field." And and play at a high level. It's Josh Rosen. Uh, so uh, Jim Mora joining us, Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio. Th- there's a there's a bunch there. But look, first of all, I like the fact that you speak your mind. Like if you want to mm-hmm. do this, if you want to do the TV thing for a long time, you're good at it. Then you, you have to on some level disassociate even from your friends and just give mm-hmm. your honest opinion. So I'm and that's tough. That's it's tough it's to do, especially I, when you're dealing with a young person where you know it's really affecting their life. Honestly, 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 you say it about a coach and they freak out. You say it about a young person and they say you're mean on, you're mean to kids, even though he's, he's, he's a grown up and he's able to, to prove you right or, or to prove you wrong. Um, okay. I look, anyone who watched you guys play, for example, at the Coliseum this year, you watch one guy, you're like, Josh Rosen, that's what an NFL quarterback's supposed to look like. We would all agree that he's more ready than even Sam Darnold would be ready to play immediately. But if he goes to, say, the New York Giants, where everybody thinks he fits best, he is not going to play immediately. He has to eventually take over for Eli Manning, and that could be difficult. He played for you right away. What's, yeah. your, what's your assessment of, I understand you think he fits New York City better, that offense better, maybe the franchise better, but can he sit for a year? Can he sit for two years? Can he no, sit for three years? I don't. I wouldn't. I would think that, that uh, and I, once again, I'm, I can't speak for the the Giants and what they're thinking, but um, I see him more fitting with the New York Jets, you know, uh, and I think Jeremy Bates, who's their offensive coordinator, would do a tremendous job with him, and I think that Josh would step in and he'd be able to to, to play right away and lead that team, and I think he'd be able to handle living in New York City. He's lived in L.A. most of his life, so, you know, similar environments in terms of the scrutiny that would be under. Um, I keep saying Giants and Jets, synonymous with one another uh just because i you know that's the second and the third pick and you know if i'm going to say that that uh that sam donald you know is a great fit for cleveland i'm going to say you know irrespective of the fact that eli is there i think that you know josh rosen is going to be a great quarterback and with a guy like pat Shermer, who i know uh and i respect and a guy like jeremy bates who i know and i respect I think he'd be great fits there. And just as I said with Hugh right. Jackson, I, I don't know Hugh as well, but I certainly respect him in the work that he's done and what he did with Andy Dalton. It just kind of all made sense to me. Maybe my mind is just uh, works it a little bit different, or maybe I was uh, just being a little too honest. I don't know. All right, but, uh, um, th- there are. Remember, he's yeah. He put, one of the reasons that he didn't have the career I think anybody would think he would have for you was he, he struggled to stay healthy. 
He yes. had, now remember, he had the shoulder thing, which stopped him from playing tennis, and he had some sort of, there was some bone or something, deal, some weird deal his sophomore year, right, which, which limited him. Uh, no, here's what it was, Doug, um, and I'm sorry to interrupt. No. His, his sophomore year, we were playing Arizona State, and he landed, he got hit on the sidelines as he was scrambling, and a defensive lineman landed on him when he was sideways and, and hurt his shoulder. So he had to have his shoulder repaired, and he came back as strong as ever with his shoulder. And then this year he had a concussion. And at UCLA, with our medical staff and, you know, our concern for the long-term welfare of these kids, you know, he was removed from play for a few games. And so it wasn't like he had a bunch of different injuries. As a matter of fact, he had, he had pains and he had difficulties that he showed an extreme toughness in playing through. Uh, that you know are not documented and don't need to be because they're gone now. No, I understand, but, but there uh, there, there yeah. are there are concerns from NFL people I've talked to about sure. about durability issues. Um, yeah. How 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 concerning I, should that be? I personally, me, I don't think it's a concern. You know, I mean, shoot, you're a quarterback and you're going to take some shots, and if you land wrong, you know, just like has happened, we've seen with Tony Romo on your shoulder, it can affect you. Or Drew Brees early in his career on his shoulder, it can affect you. And if Josh takes a hit like that, or if Josh Allen does, or if Sam Darnold does, right. or Baker Mayfield, or any, you know Lamar Jackson, any of those guys, it's going to hurt him. But I don't have this. He's not. I can tell you this. He's not fragile at all. He's tough as hell. Tough as hell. And he's competitive as hell. And and I want to say this, Doug, for the record, he loves football and he loves to compete. Uh, okay. So last thing, um, th- there's the the narrative on Josh is is pretty pretty clear. There's there mm-hmm. are some people that when he's at St. John Bosco in high school, great success. And there's some something where they didn't love him. Um, you know, Trent Dilford talked about how first time he met Josh, first time around in the Elite Eleven, didn't love him. Now he he likes him more. Mm-hmm. And there is this sense that even at UCLA, not everybody loved him, and yet everybody respects the talent. You've lived it. Okay, mm-hmm. you've lived it since recruiting him to signing him to coaching him for three years. Why is that the narrative? You know, I don't know. I think it's because he speaks his mind. And I think that he has learned as he's matured that uh, speaking your mind can have consequences. And I think that's why he's more careful now with what he says. But I will tell you this, uh, the players that were on his team looked at him as a leader. Um, He was voted captain week in and week out and voted captain at the end of the year. Um, They respected him and they liked him. And what they liked about him is that he wasn't afraid to stick up for them. You know, he wasn't afraid to say things that reflected negatively on him towards the NCAA and maybe what he, he interpreted as a, you know, uh, an unfair treatment of the student-athlete. And he did that really for his teammates. So, um, you know, people at UCLA, they did like him. His teammates did like him. His coaches did like him. He was a pleasure to be around. He, he never was condescending. He never was uh, negative. He was very coachable. Uh, he worked hard. Uh, you know, when you text him or call him, he'd respond immediately. You know, it was always yes, coach, yes, sir. Uh, no emojis. Nothing. He wouldn't. He wouldn't get back to you with the fist. The, the fist pound emoji. It was always no. Written. I didn't get me any of those. But I loved his. I loved his tweets yesterday. I loved his first one, which was the why with the shrug. And then I thought the other one was even more telling. Was opinions, and then his hashtag something like you know everyone takes things too seriously, whatever. Which to me just kind of gave an indication of his perspective. You know, I was in contact with him all day yesterday via text. You know, this is a great young man. I, I said it on the air yesterday. He and my daughter are friends. They are not dating. They are friends. 
And I'm really glad that she has a friend like Josh Rosen. I'm really, as a father, I'm like, I'm really glad my daughter is, has a friend like Josh Rosen. Jim, great stuff, man. I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, look forward to more work leading up to the NFL Draft on the NFL Network. And uh, thanks also for giving us the heads up on the new helmet company that you're part of. Uh, that, that's, that, that's awesome. Doug, look into it, you know. If you I, I, want more information, hey, hey, how, you and your wife call me, okay, and I'll help you out. Honest question. The pads, you know, like it looks like a turtle yeah. shell, those pads that I know JV high school teams use. Mm-hmm. For the non when they're doing the seven-on-seven. Seven. Why don't they use that for, like, games? Why? Uh, well, that's, you know, they're, it, they're, that's made by a company named Game Breaker, which I'm also involved with. I'm really, you know, interested in this. In the in the brain trauma, so Game Breaker is uh, owned by a man named Mike Jules out here in California. He's doing tremendous things, not only in football, but in in other sports, soccer, rugby as well. And the kids, you're seeing them wearing them for seven on seven. Um, you're seeing them worn. I saw uh, the England versus um, Ireland rugby match a couple weeks ago on New Year- on St. Patrick's Day, and a couple guys were wearing them. But it's a great tool to wear um, when you're not in full contact mode. Yeah, they, they wear them over the helmets, though, in practice, too. Oh, like, those, yeah, you can do that, too. You can put them over the helmets in practice. But, but I, why I, not I do that in I games? Like, if, if it, yeah, if it keeps you, know you safer in practice, why not do it safer in games? That's a great question. I, I really, honestly, I don't know the answer to that, Doug. I, I can find out for you. and let, If you want, call me on any of this stuff for your family. Just please do, okay? All right, bro. Uh, th- thanks so much, and I appreciate All you right, joining bro. us. Take care. All right, that's uh, Jim Mora jo- joining us on the Doug Gottlieb Show. Traveling for college hoops this year? Pro tip, stay at Graduate Hotels. They're obsessed with college basketball just like us. Each Graduate Hotel is like a shrine to the local team with lots of cool details for alumni, nods to school colors, mascots. Why would you stay anywhere else? They have 30-plus hotels in the best college towns, and get this, you can save up to 30% off with code Doug. That's my name, Doug. Good at any Graduate Hotel location, anytime up to 30% off. So here's what you do. Book your stays at graduatehotels.com. That's graduatehotels.com. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. Come on, 
6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.